I think they said. Glory to God. Well, you want to uh, start us off? Any prayer requests tonight? No? Yeah? No? Yes. Okay. Yes. For those that aren't sure who we're talking about, this is a uh, work um, associate with Miss Bridget that is um, recently married and uh, was recently diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, uh, and she's going through treatment. Uh, and uh, she's a woman of faith. She's standing, believing for God's best. Her husband's a man of faith, uh, so they're they're believing for it. They do believe in healing. So we're just agreeing with them that uh, that healing will come, or that she already has healing, and we're praying her through treatment. And so we need her blood levels to come back up from the chemo so that she can continue treatment. Yes. How is Connor doing? As far as we know. Okay. So he's doing excellent then. Great. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, let's uh, pray, and then we'll do our confession, and then we'll get into the Word. Um, I'm just having to look something up that the Holy Ghost was just talking to me about, so will you pray? And oh, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm doing what the... <laughs> right. I'm going to look this up. All right. Oh, Lord, we thank you for being here with us. Uh, we ask that you thank lead you, and guide me and Robbie, and you give us the words that need to be spoken that are just right for those that are here and that, that come expecting to hear the oh. Word from you. And so just give us those words so that we can speak them out. And, Lord, uh, uh, we ask that you reveal your your, uh, secrets and your wisdom to us from the Bible as we go through it today. uh, And just show us the things that we have not seen before. Thank you, Father. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we do praise you and we do honor you. Father, we thank you. Glory, glory, glory. Father, we thank you. Amen and amen. Let's do our confession. And then uh, we'll go from there. Thank you, Father. You want to lead it? (laughs) He says, maybe. Yes, that's the one we need. (laughs) I was like, wait, it's upside down. Wait, which one are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Glory to God. Thank Uh, you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is my my Bible. Bible. It is always always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Praise God. Well, I was laughing because Pastor Robbie goes, you want to lead it? And I was like, sure, I'll lead it. And then she starts off. <laughs> and I'm like, he, he, what? Bre- he took too long to breathe. Well, I was, trying to, to I was taking a breath. <laughs> we are to, so we are continuing in Revelations. And... Uh, I've, I've been talking and meditating to the Lord this week because um, I, just, I just couldn't get settled on something. So I'm going to start us off in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I want to show you something here real quick. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen, amen. Uh -huh. Yep, let us know when you get there. So we're going to start. I want you to jump. So we're going we're gonna to start right here. This is Jesus' teaching. And uh, I want you to start right here in verse 24. So Matthew 13, verse 24. All right. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying... So I want you to notice the first thing he said is another parable. So he had already presented them with one parable. So let's keep going. All right. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Okay. So I want you to notice it says the kingdom of heaven is likened. He's not saying the kingdom of heaven is a, uh, is, uh, a man which sows onto a good field. He says this is what heaven is like. He's giving us a type and a shadow of, of what heaven is like. We understand from this that he's not talking about an actual man sowing a field in a farmyard. So he's not talking about heaven is uh, a farm. That's not what he's talking about. All right, so let's keep going. All right. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles and burn to burn them. But gather the wheat unto my barn. Okay, so in this parable, we understand that Jesus is not talking about a literal farm. He's not talking about literal seeds of wheat and literal seeds of tares, which are weeds. What he's talking about is he's talking about the people in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking, the, the seed that the farmer sows are saved people. The wheat that, uh, or the tares the that, that the enemy sows, which is Satan, uh, is the unsaved. And he says, let the saved and the unsaved grow up together. How much you know? That's what we're doing right now. We're growing up together. But when the time comes, he's going to send in the reapers, which are the angels. And the angels are going to collect up uh, the body of Christ. Well, the tares first. Um, well, the tares, basically, he, basically what the angels are going to do is the angels are going to come and they're going to separate the saved from the unsaved. Okay. It's yes. basically what they're saying, is what he's saying, the, the, the wheat from the tares. So this is a type and shadow. We understand that these are not literal wheat. This is not literal tares. This is not a literal uh, people coming with um, reaper sickles and actually reaping, you know, wheat. But no, it's actually angels are going to come and separate. And the people that go, uh, you know, that the angels collect here, he, now remember, He's saying this is a type and shadow. So here he's explaining that the angels are going to, what, what the angels separate out are going to get burned. Okay? But we know through other scriptures that really what the angels do is the angels collect the church. The church gets called out and those get left behind 
are at risk of hellfire and damnation because they've rejected God. But God in his loving mercy is going to give them a season of extra time. So what the point that I want to make with this is this is a type and shadow talking about wheat and tares and, and how a farm operates, but he's using this as an example uh, to explain how God operates. Now let's keep going and read uh, more. All right. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying. Okay, so we've read one parable, and at the, at the right where we started reading, he said, and another. So we know, we didn't read the first one, but we know that the, the, the one we read was the, at least the second parable, and now we're reading a third parable. All okay, right. let's keep going. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becomes a, becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Okay, this is a really short parable, but he's using a, a, a natural seed. Pastor Mike got me this necklace for Mother's Day, and it's got a teeny tiny little seed in it. It's a mustard seed. And he said, you know, and, and what Jesus said is, you can take this teeny tiny little seed, and you can throw it out in the field, and it'll grow a great big tree, and it'll provide shelter for birds and stuff. So what he's saying is a little tiny, just a tiny piece of faith can do something, can produce something big and massive and impressive. Okay? And, and he said, but he started this with the kingdom of heaven is as. So he gave us one exa two examples. We didn't read the first one, but it was another example of heaven. Now he gives us another thing that helps us understand heaven a little bit. Now let's keep reading again. All right. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid into three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Okay. So here, again, he gives another, he gives another uh, very brief explanation of just a tiny bit of faith can transform something into something totally different. So the point that I want you to get to before we get back to Revelations is that Jesus often will use parable after parable after parable after parable to explain the same thing in different ways. Explain different th the same thing over and over again or he was explain first he was explaining the full king that he was he was explaining a big portion of the kingdom of heaven and then he and then he and then he gave us a little more detail about how you need faith so he kind of gave us the big overview look and then he and then he narrowed it down to a little bit different of a look this is common practice for the way Jesus teached uh, teaches and the way he taught his disciples you have to understand this to understand revelations because the book of Revelation is, uh, in the prophecy, basically what's happening is the Spirit of God is explaining the age of the church and the last seven years, the age of tribulation, and he's explaining what's happening in the earth and happening on he in heaven, or I should say he's explaining what's happening in the spirit realm and what's happening in the natural realm several different ways. He's saying it over and over again. We see this with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How much do you know? 
when you first started the Bible, at least I did, I read all the way through Matthew, and then I read through Mark. By the time I got to John, I thought, how many times do I need to get the same information? What I found out later was that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all gave the same information, but each one of them gave it with a different class of people in mind. You know, uh, one wrote specifically to the Jews. One wrote very specifically uh, to the Gentiles. One very specifically wrote uh, with servants in mind. One wrote very specifically with military-minded people in mind. So, um, so in the book of Revelation, what Jesus is trying, what the Spirit of God is trying to get across, He's trying to get the same information over to multiple groups of people, and that's why some chapters and verses you can understand it very clearly, and others you go, wait. What? Because it's not speaking to, to your mindset or your mentality. All right. So with that in mind, I want us to go to Revelation chapter 9. Because this is the one that kind of bunked us a little bit. So Revelation chapter 9. I want to go, I want to take our time and I want to go through this. I know I kind of did a speed over it last week. I want to go through it very slowly. Because as I said last week, Pastor Michael and I, had two very different approaches to it. We had two very different approaches. He read through it, and he very much so. Again, if you haven't learned this from sitting under our teachings at this point, uh, it'll get you eventually. We, get, we approach the word from two very different mindsets. Uh, Michael is very literal, and he is very, um, what's a good word? Literal is a good word. Well, you're literal, <laughs> but you're also he tends to, he tends to look at things from he tends to be a little bit more um, practical. <laughs> I don't want to say suspicious, uh, spectacle. Uh, he tends he he tends to be a little more cautious. He tends to look at it from a very from from a little bit more natural standpoint than I do. Um, where uh, where I'm very much so like the word says it, I believe it. That settles it. I don't really have to debate it and all of that. That just that just it's what he said. Um, and I tend to look at it from more of a very. I tend to look at it from a very spiritual side point. Um, <laughs> even mom said yes, she does. Um, and the reality is we live, we need to live, reality is is we need to be balanced. We need to look at it naturally and spiritually. Uh, because why? Because we live in a natural world. But we're dealing with spiritual things. So we have to kind of bring them together. So there's a lot of times that Pastor Mike and I will read and study together, and man, we come at, when we get done reading it, he's over here and I'm over here. And it takes some time, energy, and effort to get us both in the middle of the page. Uh, and so when we reviewed it last week, we kind of presented it as we were both out still here. Still at different ends. And we were still at different <laughs> ends, and now we got to bring it to the middle. And uh, so we've been studying it. And really, in order to get Chapter 9 to the middle, 
you actually have to read the entire book of Revelation. In order to get it in full context, you really have to be able, because you can't take, because one of the rules of interpretation is you have to keep everything in context. And so while I was talking and meditating with the, to the Lord on this, I said, Lord, you've got to get us there. I said, we're too far apart on this thing. You've got to bring us together. And uh, the Lord kind of showed me some things to help me. Uh, and, and one of the things that he showed me is what I just showed you. He said, do you not know that my son explains the same thing over and over and over again in different formats to help you understand it? And I said, well, yeah, Lord, that's all through the word. You know, uh, have you ever read the Old Testament and you kept running across the same people and you thought, man, do they not ever change these people's names? And then you realized, oh, wait, they're talking about, you know, uh, Daniel was actually, uh, you know, Daniel's book was actually written in the time of Chronicles and in the time of Judges. Uh, or the time of Chronicles, because he was under the kings. And, king, and Chronicles is about the age of Israel being under the kings. Uh, uh, Samuel was a prophet during the time of the judges. So a lot of what Samuel has to, do, has to say uh, is, is overlaid into the time of the judges. So you, when you read your Bible, you have to be able to kind of put the characters and the people in perspective and in places. That's why you've got to take everything in total context and understand what's going on. Um, and so for that, he, he, uh, he showed me something. There's a key in here. There's a little key in here that I'm going to show you that's going to help us tremendously understand this. So let's pick up in Revelations chapter 9, verse 1. And we're just going to kind of take our time with chapter 9. All right. And the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. All right, let's stop right here. The fifth angel sounded. What did he do? He blew his trumpet. I, I showed you last week that the trumpets were blown uh, for the, in, in Jewish culture. The, trump, the blowing of the trumpets meant several things. The blowing of the trumpets could be a warning. The blowing of the trumpet could be uh, a victory. The blowing of the trumpet could uh, be a uh, get ready for battle. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. And now we know uh, that earlier in our studies that when these trumpets blew, that the angels would say, whoa. There was a, there was a, so we understand that the blowing of these trumpets um, are, number one, they're a warning. Number two, it's telling the it's really because they're blowing this in in the um, remember in this John is where in this vision he's in the spirit realm he's seen in the spirit realm so who is it that hears the trumpet blow the spirit realm he's caught up in the spirit and he's seen things occur in the spirit so he who hears the trumpet. Who hears the trumpet are those that are in the spirit realm or those that are keyed in to what's happening in their spirit. Have you ever had a situation where you just had, I've had it a few times, where it felt like there was an alarm going off on the inside, like you just knew, oh, something's about to happen, something's about to occur, something's about to, and you kind of have a heightened alertness, a kind of a heightened thing. And, and, you know, or you will say, I don't know, my spirit is just uneasy. 
So the people that are st- so he, at this point, the church has been called out. The hundred and forty-four thousand Jews have been marked by God, so they're they're spiritually sensitive, spiritually aware of God. Uh, the people that got left behind that went, oh, we just missed this thing, and have turned to receive Jesus, uh, have. They they turn to receive Jesus as their Lord, and now they're even though they're in this uh, what we call great tribulation period, their spirit's alive unto God. Okay, their spirit is alive unto God. Uh, So because their spirit's alive unto God, they're going to have kind of that alarm. They're going to kind of have that alarm going off. They're going to kind of have. They're going to hear that trumpet down in their spirit, and they're going to they're going to know. Something is about to happen. Something is about to go off when this trumpet blows. So that's the first thing. Uh, So when that angel sounds, that's what happens. He said, and I saw a star. He's in the spirit. He he, He says, I saw a star fall. Many times when you're dealing with prophecy, a star means an angel. And, and remember, the word angel in the original Greek simply means messenger. So this can be a messenger of God, or this can be a messenger of Satan. We don't know which. And the only way you can tell which is by its fruit. Well, Pastor, it says that it fell from heaven, so wouldn't that automatically mean um, a God, a, a, an angel of God? No. Because as I've explained multiple times, you've got, you know, we've got the world. How much do you know in the world there's what we call the United States of America? Is in the United States of America, is that all there is to this world? No. No. There's other lands, right? There's uh, Iraq and Spain and France and China and Russia and, and all these other countries. Now, is every country um, good to their people? No. So we've got just like so. So in this world, we've got good regions and we've got bad regions. Okay. So that's the Earth. Then beyond the Earth is what we call space or the galaxy or the Milky Way or whatever you want to call it, where the stars and the moons and all that are. Then beyond there is what we refer to as the third heaven. Or the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, there is a land that we refer to in the spirit realm. In the, in the third heaven, there's, there's a land or a place that we refer to as the kingdom of God or heaven. But how much you know, just like the United States doesn't impact, it, though the United States impacts the whole world, how much you know the United States doesn't occupy the entire world so just like that what we call the kingdom of heaven or heaven itself does not occupy all of the spirit realm does this make sense okay so in the spirit realm not in the kingdom of god but within the spirit realm there are currently what what the bible refers to in ephesians 6 12 refers to as wickedness in high places. Wickedness in high places. So there's very powerful demons, wickedness in high places, that are, that are operating 
outside of the kingdom of God, but in the spirit realm. Okay? So at this point, the church has been called out. At, at some point immediately after that, there is what is called, oh, there we go. You see, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Those are little imp demons that just push your buttons, just poke you and prod you. That's honestly, 90% of the demons, we, 80 to 90% of the demons that we deal with in this life are principalities. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. They're like the grunts of the spirit realm, of Satan's realm. That's what they are. And we run ragged and we run scared from them all the time. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, they're, I mean, they can't even think for themselves. Then there's powers. That's the next level up. They're in this world. Then there's uh, against rulers of the darkness of what? This world. This world. So that's a good indication. Where are they? Here. This world. So these are the three types of demons that we deal with on the earth today. These demons will still be on the earth during the tribulation. These demons, however, are on a chain and they're restricted. There's only so much that they can do uh, by the hand of God because God has put them on a chain. However, we can restrict them farther by using our God-given authority through the name of Jesus Christ. And that's how we are supposed to deal with these issues. Okay? So notice here, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star. This means an angel, a messenger, fall. This, mean, this doesn't mean like he was walking along and tripped and fell. What this means is he descended. This, this messenger descended. In other words, he came out of the spirit realm to the earth. And actually he went, not, he didn't just go from the earth. He said he fell from heaven onto the earth. And it was given to and was given to him the key of the bottomless pit. Now we talked about this last week that we tend to have this mindset that these demons, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, are inside the middle of the earth, and they can come and go. But what this means is uh, the key of the bottomless pit. What it means is that chain that restricts them from being able to do whatever they want whenever they want to do it is being unlocked. That's what this means. So right now, demons can only, they're very restricted in how much they can deal with you. They're very restricted in what they can do. But it says that, but this, but this particular fallen messenger is given, a, he, he somehow um, obtains this key and he releases all of these demons that are on a spiritual chain. I know I had a conversation with Mari one time, and Mari, we were talking about this, and he said, you know, he said, I, he said, I think very naturally. Him and Pastor Mike are very similar. He said, I think about this very naturally. It was an aha moment for him. He said, but this is not a literal physical chain. He said, this is a spiritual chain. There's, in other words, there's restrictions on what they can do spiritually. And I said, that's it. And he said, oh, I've been thinking about it all wrong. See, we've got to, in order to understand revelations, we've got to think at this from a spiritual standpoint. Okay? So, and it says, and he opened the bottomless pit. 
He opened the bottomless pit. Notice there's a semicolon. This tells us what happens after the, after the locks, after the chains are unlocked, what happens. And it says, and there arose a smoke out of the pit. This very next word, I need you to circle it, underline it, something. As, as, as. In other words, he's telling us that what he's talking to us about are types and shadows. It was not a literal smoke. It was not a literal smoke. What he's seen in the heavens was something to the best that he can to describe in our time and in our terminology looked like smoke. He said, as the smoke of a great furnace. How much do you know? You know, Pastor Michael's been a firefighter for years and years and years and years and years. And I've learned something. You young people, I'm going to help you when you get a spouse. When your spouse gets into a career or something, you're going to learn more about their job than you've ever wanted to know. You're going to learn how to spot things and recognize things that you could care nothing about. When we first got married, Michael worked for... That's very useful information. It's very useful. <laughs> when we first got married, now this is going to date us. When we first got married, Pastor Michael worked for a company by the name of TRM. And TRM, what they did is they went into the grocery stores and convenience stores and all these other businesses, your box stores and all of this, and, and, and your drug stores and all of this. And when you would go into the store, somewhere probably near the front, there was this big boxy-looking machine, and it was for making photocopies. And you would put money in it, and you could make your photocopies. You know, today we just snap a picture on our phone and, you know, hit print and it pops out of some machine in our house or wherever we are. But no, in that day, not everybody had a printer. Printers were only available and you had to go put your dime or your quarter in and you had to get printers and all of this. Well, Pastor's Mike, Pastor Mike's job was to go to all of these stores and service all of these machines. Now, 99% of the time when you needed a copy, you could think of one or two places that you knew to go to get a copy. I'm telling you what... I learned how to spot the TRM sign from five miles away. I'm exaggerating, of course. But I'm telling you what, I learned. I learned. Why? Because we'd be driving down the road. He'd go, there's one of our machines. i go, what? He'd go, see that sign? Oh, okay. I learned to spot him just like that. Then, and, and it didn't matter where we went in the country either. No, it didn't matter where <laughs> in the country we went. Man, we could spot those babies. Quick and easy. So he left there. So sometime later, he got a job working for a Freightliner. Did you ever go driving down the road and pay attention to what, what brand the semis are? I never did. I never did. I do now. I can recognize them quickly. Oh, that's a Freightliner. That's a Kenmore. That's a Mac. How Kenmore. Oh, Kenmore. I'm sorry, Kenworth. Kenworth. Kenworth, yeah. not Kenmore. Kenworth. Man, I got so good at it, I look at them and I go, why has that truck got a Freightliner feature on it? He'd go, oh, that's one of our custom builds. Because you could, you could tell by the body shape and all kinds of things about them. And I mean, I got to where I could, I mean, I got to where I could spot them. So then he left there, and then he became a firefighter. You know what I can do now? 
No, I, no, I don't. I don't get into all that. Well, Poor Steve. I, I did. I did help, every week. I did. I did teach her how to how to do a controlled burn. I do know how to do a controlled burn. <laughs> And, and, and here's my deal. I got enough stuff in my head I don't need to know about trees. So he'd say, what kind of tree is it? And I'd say, it's deciduous or it's an evergreen. That's all I was willing to learn. But i tell you what I can do. I can be driving down the road and I'll go, there's a smoke. Oh, there's a smoke over there. Look out there. There's a smoke. Oh, She's that's a pretty clean good smoke. It. That's she, a dirty smoke. She spots it sometimes before I do. Yeah, well, what's the difference? A clean smoke means it's the woods. A dirty smoke means it's the house or something that shouldn't be burning. I've gotten real good at it. So what did he say here? He said, as the smoke of a great furnace. What is that? That means when you go to the cities and they've got those big, ever drive to Asheville? It means it's a dirty smoke. Ever drive to Asheville <laughs> and you get over there to Canton and you go, oh, what is that? That's a dirty smoke from the paper factories. Oh, wow. Oh, today Didn't was the last that. bell. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because that, that employed a lot of people. But, uh, and they did, the, they did their very best to get it as clean as they could. I mean, they did. It's just the, pro, it's the smell of processing. But, but here's my deal. If you ever go to the cities, you'll see these big stacks and you'll see dark smoke coming out of them and things like that. That's what he was describing here was basically he, he saw in the distance, he, why was it a great furnace? In other words, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, and it says, and he's explaining, he says, the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened. Now, he's talking, remember he said as. And I'll tell you what, I know what that looks like. <laughs> yes, from fire, we know what this looks like. Um, but notice we're still talking as. So did the sun and the, did the sun really go dark? Did the air actually go dark? No. He said by reason of the smoke of the pit. In other words, what he was saying is that when these demons were unchained, they went out into the world so thick and so fast and so furious. It seemed like a smoke of a great fire. Okay? But this is all occurring in the spirit realm. All right. So we all good? It took a while to get past two verses. Let's see if we can get, uh, <laughs> let's see if we can go a little farther. All right. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. So, again, is he talking about a literal smoke? Well, or a little literal scorpion? No, no, no. Look at what it says. And it says, and there came out of the smoke. Is he talking about a literal, a, a literal physical, earthly smoke? Um, keep going. He's... No. Oh, my goodness. And it says, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. He's describing, he said, there's a smoke, and by the way, this is what the smoke looks like. Again, but it's still in the spirit realm. It's still, we're still in the spirit realm. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. 
Again, he's seeing this in the spirit realm. In other words, what's fixing to happen on the earth in the earth is a very dark time spiritually. Very dark time spiritually. Uh, we've had it here when they do controlled burns. When we had, when Clay County had the huge fire at the same time Gatlinburg did. Remember how people would say you could just the smoke was so thick you couldn't go outside. The smoke was so thick it took your breath away. He's explaining to us what it's going to be like from a spiritual standpoint. There's going to be a spiritual heaviness, a spiritual darkness, a spiritual pressure that's going to feel like you're in a smoke cloud, okay? It's going to feel like it's going to pull the life out of you. But he's, again, describing what's happening in the spirit realm, okay? Remember, the spirit realm is not... I hear it, Holy Ghost. The spirit realm... You got the earth, you got the atmosphere, you got the third heaven, which is also called the spirit realm. However, the spirit realm is not restricted to only the third heaven. The spiritual realm passes through all three zones. Because remember, where is hell? In the center of the earth. So these spirits, good and bad, can go to hell, they can roam the earth. They can go through the atmosphere and go into the heavenlies. They can be in the heavenlies. They can go through the atmosphere. They can come on the earth. They can go down into hell. Okay? All of that up and down from the center of the earth all the way to the far expanses of the third heaven is considered spirit realm. Does this make sense? Okay. I don't remember if it was Dad Hagen or Lester Summerall. One of them said this at the time of their, during their lifetime. I believe it was Lester Summerall. Might have been Kenneth E. Hagen. One of them said this. He said, currently, there are millions and millions of demons on the earth currently. He said, in fact, if God would open the eyes of the people and allow them to see the spirit realm around them and the number of demons around them, some pe- there are so many that some people would literally fall over dead from fright. Okay? Now keep in mind, currently, keep in mind, currently they're restricted and on a chain. But at this time, their restrictions and their chains have been completely undone. Okay? So, let's go on. He said, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. So he's talking about in the spirit realm, what's being unloosed, what's being unchained is, a, is what would be considered a locust invasion. Now, we don't understand locust invasions here in the United States. Other than the 17-year cicadas, and only if you're in the region where they're, where they're actually coming up. No, no. not at all. No, and they're not devastating. And they're not, they're not as thick as smoke either. Right. <laughs> but over in Asia, over in Africa, 
actually they actually they kind of start in the African region and they go across the Saharas and um, and uh, and into Asia. And what these do, these things are so thick, they can actually wipe out acres upon acres upon acres of um, farmland in a day, in one day. And I mean, they take it, they don't leave anything behind. They eat absolutely everything, and then they fly to the next farm. And they eat absolutely everything, and they go to the next farm, and they, and they wipe it out. Huh? Everything that's green, anyway. Yeah, they wipe it out. They, I mean, they don't leave. And they, they, they do fly in swarms big, big enough and thick enough that it looks like smoke and it can blot out the sun and yes. all that. Yes. And they, in fact, they make enough, like the cicadas, they make enough noise that it sounds like thunder. Definitely. So what he's explaining, so you have to understand what John is explaining is he's explaining to this culture that is accustomed to locusts. He's explaining to them the, the spiritual oppression that's coming. What's coming in the spirit is very similar to what you experience in the natural with the locusts. That's what he's explaining to them. That. Huh? I could see that. That's what he's explaining to them. Okay. So, now notice. It says, verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Then there's a colon, and he begins to explain what, these, what this demonic locust is going to do in the spirit. Okay? He's explaining what they're going to do in the spirit realm. On the earth, understand this. On the earth, this demonic locust, it says, and, um, and onto them was given power. That word power is exosia. This is not deutimus, this is exosia. And exosia means that they have authority, they have uh, full jurisdiction to do as they please. Right now, in the earth today, we are dealing with devils and demons that are restricted and on a chain. And sometimes we have a hard time getting, getting past it. There's many people... They get taken out prematurely uh, because, because of the oppression of demons. There's people that, that get into um, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, pornography addiction, sex addiction, all other gambling addictions, all other forms of addiction. Why? Because a demon that has restricted power is influencing their life. Can you imagine as hard as it is, those of you that are in here that you've come out of addiction. Can you imagine what it would have been like to get past your addiction if that demon wasn't on a chain? You wouldn't get past it. it it'd be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard to break free. So that's what these demons in the, in the great tribulation during these seven years, these demons are going to be able to operate without restriction. They're going to have full jurisdiction to use every tool in their toolbox against all of humanity. Does this make sense? Now, then uh, that's what it means when it says they have they were given they were given power. Why were they given the power? They were given this power because Jesus said, the Father said, while my church is here, the gates of hell will not prevail. 
But the church has been called out, so now there's nobody here largely to restrict these demons. Okay? Who else gives them the power? The people that surrender to them. Who's left on the planet? Basically people that have already surrendered. Basically every person that's left has surrendered with the exception of the 144,000 Jews and the handful of people that went, oh, man, I've been doing this thing wrong. I got left behind and it was a wake-up call. But here's the deal. The people that get left behind that claimed to be Christians, not all of them are going to go, man, I got it wrong. I just got to make it through the next seven years. I got to clean up my act and make it through the next seven years. A good percentage of them are going to get mad and bitter at God, and they're going to reject him. So it's not, so yes, there will be a church on the planet, but it will not be a big church. It will not be. There will not be a lot of, not only will it not be a big church, but Satan and all of his demons will have full jurisdiction for those seven years. Okay? So, however, look at what it says in verse 4. Oh, it says, given to them power. As scorpions of the earth have power. How much do you know? Uh, A scorpion has power to do what? Sting you. To sting. And And what does their poison do? Inject you with poison. And you've got to remember, he's he's in the Middle East. He's talking like the scorpions in the Middle East. Not like the little bitty scorpions we got here. No, these these get like this, and their, their sting is... Yeah. It's worse than any hornet sting you've ever... Has anybody here been stung by a Japanese hornet? I haven't. Yeah, the big ones. It's, 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 from what I understand, it's comparable to that. And, and, uh, and some of them can even kill you. They'll yes. make you really sick. And some of them can even kill you. Now, mind you, these are spiritual demons. So they're stinging you with spiritual stings. In other words, they're coming, across, coming against your mind. They're coming against your emotion. They're bringing uh, sickness. They're bringing disease. They're bringing pressure, extreme pressure. Okay? Is that's what they're bringing. Okay? And this pressure, you know, last year, I don't know if y'all remember, uh, Pastor Mike got stung on the leg by something. We, don't, we think it was a yellow jacket. And I got stung on the, on the toe. And I'm telling you what, whatever got me on the toe, ground hornet or whatever it was, I mean, it was like two weeks and I still had pain. Michael still had pain two weeks later. In fact, it was during um, praise and worship practice. I told Brianna, I said, Brianna, because the Lord prompted me to, I said, Brianna, put your, foot on, put your hand on my foot and command that pain to go. And, and I said, put on Michael's leg and command that to go too. And she did, and the pain left instantly. But, I mean, it had been two weeks, and, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I had to wrap my, I had to elevate my foot and wrap it in a heating pad just to get a few out, just to get enough relief that I could actually get some rest. And I had to do that for, like, a week straight. Remember, these things are coming out like a cloud, you know. So there's a lot of them. A lot of them, okay. So they're going to operate. So these things are going to operate like the devils and demons today, only they're going to do it with extreme intensity, extreme pressure. You're not going to be able to just go, go away. You know, you're not going to be able to just simply submit to God and say, 
Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus. They're not going to respond the first time. They're probably not going to respond the second, third, fourth, or fifth time. Why? Because they've been completely released. As much as they resist now, how much do you know they're going to resist probably a hundred times more in that next seven years? That's a great question. She asked, are they still going to have to bow to the name of Jesus? I don't 100% answer. I don't, uh, truth be told, I do not know the answer 100%. However, with that said, there's nothing that said, because, again, we won't know everything until it happens, because this is prophecy. But God's word says that not one word of his will fade away until this earth is gone. And so my belief is that the word and the statues and the principles that we live by today will work in the seven-year tribulation. However, however, think about this. Number one, how long has it taken us to obtain just what we've obtained? Right. How long have we been walking this walk? Some of us more They're than only going to have seven years. Number two. And the, and the, and the fathers of faith will have gone home. Right. So right. there's the, not going to be any big faith people left on the earth. No, they're going to have to go pull the they're going to have to go pull the documents that were left behind. They're going to have to search for God on their own. The other thing that you have to remember is we're dealing with demons on chains. They're dealing with demons off chains. You know, it's one thing to deal with a rabid dog when it's restricted. It's another thing to deal with a wild dog on the loose. You better run. Yeah, you better. <laughs> so, so to answer your question, Brianna, yes, I personally believe I personally believe that the Word of God will still work and operate in the seven years. But I also believe that the people are going, it's going to take a lot of effort on the people's part. Right. Right. Well, Praise God. Right. Right. And it's, and it's not, but, but it's a valid question because here's the deal. You're going to have to answer this for other people. You're going to have to answer this for other people. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Yes, because you're right. It does get worse. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's look at verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Okay, stop right there. This word hurt, this word hurt does mean kill as in dead. In other words, don't destroy, don't, don't kill the grass. Why? Because if the grass dies, then food dies, right? Well, they're, they're the locusts, so. Right. And that's what locusts do. But this word hurt also means do not rob of spiritual life. This word hurt means to, really what it means is to deprive of spiritual life. All right. So let's keep right. reading. Do not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Which means anybody except for the 144,000. Right. And to them it was given that they should not kill them. but that Again, they... pause. This word kill has the same definition as the word hurt. It means to 
to, to, to stop physical life, but it also means to stop spiritual life. So here's what these locusts can do. Here's what these demons can do. They can torment you. They can torment you, but if you call on the name of Jesus, they cannot prevent you from receiving eternal life with him. That's what it means. It means that they will not... Huh? They cannot, they cannot deprive you. So say I get left behind. Okay? Let's say I get left behind. Okay? And I'm being tormented by these demons. And I get in some, and, and, and I come to the realization that I need Jesus. If I, from my heart, call on the name of the Lord, I, I say, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life, these demons cannot prevent me from being born again. They cannot prevent me from being born again during these five months. During, the, during their season, they cannot permit me. We're going to just, I jumped that's ahead, I'm sorry. Because that's what the word says, five months. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I jumped ahead. Let's keep reading. All right. Uh -oh. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should not, that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Listen, like I talked about, that bee that stung me on the toe last year, I don't know what it was, but I'm telling you what, I was shaking. I was like, I had to go to my dentist appointment, and I told him, I said, listen, I said, something stung me on my toe, and I said, I cannot sit still. I'm going to do my very, I've taken a Benadryl, I'm going to do my very best to sit still, but if I'm like, we got to break, why? Because it was such a pain, I could not get away from it. But yet I was driven to run because it was just it was just painful. That's what it's going to be like for these people under demonic torment for five months. Okay. So in verse six it says, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Now we've covered this multiple times. Go back to um 1 Corinthians 15, towards the end, around uh, verse 52, I think it is. But it talks about that at the blowing of the trump, all of humanity will put off uh, our mortal bodies and put on immortality. At this point, when this is occurring, physical death will no longer be possible for mankind. Physical death will no longer be possible for mankind. All right. All right. You can go back and get all the details in the prior sermons. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. Notice it says, if you take out the were, because that's italicized, what it literally says is the shapes of the locusts, in other words, the shapes of these demons. So what, what John is doing is John is giving us, he's letting us know that what, the, what he's talking about are not the bugs. He's telling us, he, he's telling, because remember, this was written in an area and a region that deal with actual physical locusts. He's telling us these are not the locusts that you think of. Yeah, he's saying they act like locusts, but they look like horses that are armor-plated. Right. <laughs> he, in other words, these things are harder to kill and get, he, in other words, these are things that are harder to overcome. 
is what he's telling us. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stop reading the italicized words, because when you read the italicized word, it draws pictures that it shouldn't draw. Okay. So look at verse 7. It says, and the shape of the, and, and it says, and the shapes of the locusts like unto horses prepared unto battle. So are these things really horses? No. No. But what it, is, what it does mean is these things have some size. And they're dressed for battle. So you're not dealing with, listen to me, we're not dealing with little imp demons at this point that cannot think for themselves. At this point, these demons are bigger demons. They can think for themselves, and they are skilled at battle. They are skilled at spiritual battle. So when you say, stop in the name of Jesus, they're going to know, are you just testing this thing? Or, or do you actually have Jesus in your heart? They're prepared for battle. That's what he's letting us know. All right. All right, let's keep and, going. And on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold. In other words, they're going to go through here like they own the place. They're going to go through the earth like they own the earth. And their faces as the faces of men. Okay. Faces as faces of men. Now, does it say that they do have faces of men? No. It says that their faces are similar to that of men. Keep going. All right. And they had hair as the hair of women. So here's the, it says as, not does. So these, these demons, these locusts, they, they have human-like features. They have human-like features. That's what they're telling us. Okay? Keep going. Their teeth were as of lions. Now, just like people can through meditate, through witchcraft and all kinds of things, with God, how much, you know, God can pull back the veil. Pastor Mike has seen a demon wrapped around a woman's heart. Pastor Mike has seen other demons. Thank God God doesn't I've seen, Actually, I have seen them in the spirit. I have seen them. And I'm going to tell you something. Guess what? They have faces like a man. They do. They have, they're, now, they're, cor, they're, they're contorted. They're kind of misshapen. They're kind of, honestly, they look very similar to what Hollywood projects them as. I wonder where they get the ideas from. Right. I wonder where they get the ideas from. Because, why? Because devils and demons are, are allowing them to see them in the spirit realm. Okay? These tattoos that people are getting, they're not just ideas in their head. These people are being tormented by these things. They're being tormented by them. Uh, but notice it says, and their teeth were as, as, what? Teeth of lions. In other words, their teeth are very sharp and very, very, in other words, they're very capable of destruction, ripping and tearing and pulling apart, okay? In other words, he's letting us know that, that what we're up against are not normal humans. He's letting us know that these things are demons and what these demons, he's giving us a glimpse of what these demons look like. All right, verse 9. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. Now, are their breastplates actually of iron? 
No. No. How do we know? Because it says as. 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 But basically, they have strong spiritual breastplates on. And the sound of their wings as the sound of chariots of many horses running into battle. So what does this tell us? It means that these things are very fast moving. Well, and they're very loud. Very loud, very noisy, overwhelming. How much do you know uh, when your mind is going a thousand minutes, when, when those voices in your head are talking to you? Can you imagine the voices coming at a faster rate of speed? You think about, think about how hard it is to shut down the thoughts of the enemy now. It's going to be a thousand times harder. I don't know why I said a thousand. It just popped out of my mouth like that. A hundred times, thousand times harder to shut down the thoughts that the demons are penetrating your mind with. It'll be harder. That's what I just keep hearing in the spirit. A thousand times harder to shut down those thoughts in the seven years. I don't know that. I don't have scripture for that. But that's just what keeps coming up. Do what? No. No. The, the only thing that you can do in that hour is deny Christ. The only thing you can do in that hour is deny Christ. Which is what they're trying to do. Get you to deny Christ. All right. Let's keep going. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. Now notice, this time it didn't say as. This time it didn't say as. Notice that. This time it didn't say as. It says, and they had tails like scorpions. These demons have tails, and in their tails is poison. Well, they did say, instead of as, they said like unto. Or like unto. So they have tails. They have tails. Similar to like what a scorpion has. They have, they, but they have tails. Guess what? Demons have tails. Guess what? Demons have tails. They have tails. And it says, and there were stings in their tails. Poison. There were poison in their tails. How do they, how does this work? They get, they get, they penetrate the mind. They penetrate the emotion. People surrender to these things, and these things overtake those people, and that poison that's in these demons begin to flow from these people. Suppose they can sting you in your mind. I guarantee you that's exactly what they can do. I guarantee you that's exactly what they do. Absolutely. You couldn't get away from that. No. That'd be an itch you can't scratch. Yeah. Just constant, just constant torment of the mind. Because that's how, how do demons get a hold of people today? Where does it start? In the mind. It's not going to be any different in the tribulation as far as how the demon gets access. Other than more. Other than, the, other than the power is going to be more intense. Now, it said that this is going to happen for five months. All right. Let's keep going. All right. Verse 11. This is at the beginning of the seven years. It's going to be a really intense, harsh time. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in he- the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. Which means destroy, destruction. But the... In the Greek tongue, hath his name Apollyon. Which means destroyer. So who is the king of these demons? Satan, the destroyer, who brings destruction. Satan, the destroyer, who brings destruction. And he's the king. Now, we don't understand the time of the kings today like, we, like they did back then. But whatever the king says, that's what his servants do. 
And so the king says, he's the, he's the, he is the destroyer of destruction. So what is the king going to command this army to do? Destroy to and destroy destruct. and to destruct. And that's what these demons are here to do, to destroy and destruct the people that are left. Now, they cannot kill them physically. And honestly, he's not concerned about physical death. He's concerned about spiritual Eternity. Death, eternal death. So what is the purpose of these demons? These demons, their purpose is to overtake people so that they will reject the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole, that's, that's Satan's purpose. However, God is not going to leave his people without help. If during this seven years you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. You will absolutely be saved. Provided that you can call on his name and begin to turn from the iniquity that you lived in. Which means the homosexuals will have to turn from homosexuality. The drunkards will have to turn from alcohol. The drug addicted will have to turn from the drug addiction. Now... When the church goes out of here, we're going out of here in glorious power. There will be knowledge of those left behind of the glorious power of God. And if they'll clean their life and fight for God like we have to in our day, God's power will meet them. What you got? Yes. Yes, but yes. name it. Yes, his the name, name of will Jesus always will have still power. be the name above all names. But so, Not all so of the them. demons the demons are the demons are unrestricted. But the but those that receive Christ during those seven years, they will be able to uh, to resist the demons in the name of Jesus if they truly believe. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this personally because it'll help you think about how hard it's been for you to overcome the thoughts and the lies that the enemy puts in your brain right it's been really hard right and the demons that have been attacking you for really since you were small have been on a chain and you're how old now 17 and you're just now starting to understand your power and your authority right and i understand your age but still but, but it's taken you, you know, I've been teaching you since you were in children's church. So it's been, it's, has it taken you more than seven years? It's taken you more than seven years. So imagine how hard they're going to have it when they don't have a Miss Robbie in their life to teach them how to use the name of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So it will work, but, but they're not going to know about it unless they go search for it, unless there's, you know, the 144,000 or... Somebody that's been teaching it stays, but even that's going to be very limited. And, and they will, and they will. So it's, it's going to be, which is another reason why we've got to get as much out as we can. Yep. Yep. All right. So, so are we getting a concept of what this seven years, because this is just the first five months. This is getting rough, right? <laughs> so, 
All right. We're, we're, we're at, at verse 12 where it says, One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Is this a good place to stop nope. for tonight? We got we we can we can we can get this because this the second half is not going to take as hard because we've laid a lot of foundation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we've yes, ma'am. Right. I I believe. It doesn't specify, but because it, it honestly doesn't specify if it is or not. It's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to judge because bad things happen, right? But they're given the key to the pits of hell, so yeah. So the question would they give the key to a bad so the, the person or bad demon? Right. So the question is: the angel that descended from heaven from the heavenlies that opened the bottomless pit was this an angel of God or was this an angel of Satan? The Bible does not clearly specify one way or the other. What we do know from the scriptures is that Satan has a lease on this earth, and there has, he has to have a period of time where he and all of his messengers or demons can operate on the earth unrestricted. So it is very possible that it was that, that um, because God was the one that had the key, he was the one that put them in the chain to begin with, is very possible that he sent his angel down with the key to say, okay, Satan, now is your time, but uh, don't forget my power is still available. Uh, it's, it, 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 we don't know. We don't know. It doesn't specify. Yeah, it doesn't specify. This is one, one five-month five period, period, as far as I can tell. Yeah, this is the first woe. Now, here's the other thing that I pointed out about the five months. If you go to the prior chapter, so we're in chapter 9. If you go to chapter 8, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. All right. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So this is what we know. We know that a month, that the calendar month, that the Jewish calendar month is based on the cycle of the moon. Okay? And according to this, when the, earth, when, when the church is called out of here, the earth, there's going to be volcanoes, there's going to be earthquakes, the, the, the earth is going to tremble and shake. According to the verse we just read, uh, part of the moon is going to be darkened, part of the sun is going to be darkened, and we know from science that the sun and the moon regulate the rotation of the earth. So when a third of the sun and a third of the moon become disrupted, that's going to disrupt the rotation of the earth, which is going to change the cycle of the moon. How long a month becomes at that point? We don't know. We don't know. Could be. Maybe, maybe not. Or it I don't could be know. shorter. Um, uh, it doesn't, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know that the calendar will change because the calendars are pretty well set. So I don't know. Because, you know, up in Alaska, how much do you know? They have the same calendar we have, but their day is 
12, 12 and 13, 14 hours long part of the day, part of the year. And the other part of the year, it's, you know, wow. it's dark for like. Their, their day, their day is like 23 hours yeah. long during part of the, part of the year. And, and, and then the other part of the, the year, it's 23 hours of darkness. Yeah. So. so I don't know that the calendar will change. I'm just saying that this is a lot, that there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, there's just going to be a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, and how much, you know, and, and the other thing is, is if the days do become like what he's talking about in Alaska, you know, with, you know, they deal with a lot of what they call sun and moon syndrome in Alaska, where people deal with a lot of depression oh, yeah. and a lot of, they have a very high suicide rate because of, especially in the winter, because of the really long nights and things like that. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's, so this is just going to be, you don't want to be here. Here's our takeaway. We don't want to be here. Mr. Richard. Right. Right. So he's talking about being in Iceland, and, and they've got weather very similar to Alaska, where moon, yeah. you you know you, you when it's sunny all day you got to put stuff on the windows so you can get your dark time and then and, when, and then when the day when the nights are super long um, then uh, you got to do stuff to help get the right UVs and all that and it's just really hard on the body. Now the other thing I want to remind you and we know this naturally today most the strongest demonic activity is when. At night. at night. So if their hours of darkness are extended, what does that do for demonic activity? Makes it more extended. Okay. All right. So, so there's just there's there's just going to be a lot going on during this time that that we honestly cannot fully comprehend it until we go through it. Yeah. Ellen, we're well, not going through we're it. We're not going through it. Until the world <laughs> goes through it. Um. But here's the deal. Because we keep saying we're not going through. I want to make this point very clear. We may not get to the rest of the chapter tonight. I want to make this point very, very clear. Just because you sit in a church regularly does not mean you're going out of here in the rapture. The only people going out of here in the rapture are those that are ready at the coming of Christ. When Christ now, let me make this very clear. Christ is not coming back at the calling away of the church. We tend to say that, and it tends to mess people up. What he's going to do is there's going to be a, he's going to, he, there's going, I mean, he's, he's going to appear. He's going to be involved, but he's not coming back to the earth. He's not descending upon the earth. We're going to go meet him in the heavenlies. So when the church gets called out of here, the only people that are going are the people that are ready to go. There'll be a knowing in your spirit. The Bible tells us, listen, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembly of ourselves as the manner of some is as we see the day of the Lord approaching. In other words, Jesus said, the closer I get to coming, the more faithful you better be and begin in the church with a heart toward me because I'm coming for my church, which means those of us that are looking to God, those of us that are wanting God, 
those of us that are looking to commune with God, those of us walking in the power and the authority, uh, those are the ones that are going up. There will be, make no mistake, there will be people that stand in the pulpit. There will be people that sit in the pews. There will be people that know their scriptures backwards and forwards that will not go in the rapture because they live dirty lives of sin. You cannot live a sinful, dirty life and go out of here when the church is called. Be very clear about that. See, the, the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus is the bridegroom, and we're all the bride. You know, in, in Jewish tradition... The 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 when the uh, br when the groom and the bride get engaged, they separate for a time while the groom goes and uh, and prepares the home for them, just like Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. So so when when the home is completed, and and this is an undetermined amount of time that they're engaged, basically. So but when the home is completed, the engagement's over, and the and the bride doesn't know when that's going to happen until like the day before. Well, actually, May, maybe, maybe not. She'll know more than that. Let me let me show you this. Go to John. Go to John. Fourteen. John fourteen. We'll end on this note, I think. John fourteen. This plays right where you're at because okay. you're right. John 14, verse 1. He said this. He said, uh, this is right after Peter. Um, Peter's like, Jesus, whatever uh, Jesus, whatever you're fixing to go through, I'm going to go through it with you. And Peter said, and, 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 and Jesus said, uh, Peter, if you look up at, at verse... Um, Let's look at verse 37 and 38 of John 13. He said, it said, Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lie down thy life for my sake? Question. He said, Really, Peter? Peter, are you really sure you want to go through what I'm fixing to go through? And then Jesus answered, and then Jesus continued. He said, Verily, verily, which means truly and assuredly, I'm telling you an infallible truth. I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And remember when they came and they took Jesus, uh, and, and, John, and, and Peter realized uh, what he was about to happen to him. Remember, uh, he was trying to watch the, um, the, the, he was trying to watch the trial kind of incognito, and people kept recognizing him. And he denied him once, and then he moved farther away, and he denied him twice, and then he went out in the courtyard, and, uh, uh, and a woman um, saw him, and he was denying, and he was in such fear, understanding what Jesus was fixing to go through, that Peter cursed so that they would think that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. And then the cock crowed, and then remember Jesus looked at him, and he realized what he did. But look, Jesus didn't doesn't stop talking there. Look at John. Look at look at chapter fourteen, verse one. You know, because at this at this moment, Peter's going because Peter can't understand. Just like we don't understand fully what it's going to be like in the tribulation, Peter couldn't understand fully what Jesus was talking about. And he said this. He said, "Let not your heart be troubled. 
you believe in God, believe also in me. He's he's telling Peter, Peter, you believe in God, so now I need you to believe in me. And he's talking to Peter as the bridegroom. And he says, in my father's house are many mansions. For um, He said, if not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And wherever I go, uh, you may know, and the way you may know. So what Pastor Mike was talking about, you finish explaining it? Right. So, so, so we're, the bride, we're the brides, right? And, and the Bible talks about, there's, there's a parable that goes something like this, where there's, there's ten brides, right? Ten virgins. And, right. and, and, the, and, and the bridegroom goes off to prepare a place. And he's going to come back, and they all have their lamps. And, and of course, there's, there's the smart brides and the silly brides. The smart brides get prepared. They know he's going to come back, and they don't know when. So they get prepared. They get their lamps full of oil and, and carry some extra oil with them so that when he comes back, even if it's in the middle of the night, they'll be able to go to meet him. You know, they're ready. The silly ones, they just fill their lamp up with oil, and eh, he's probably not going to come at night anyway. But then he comes in the middle of the night, and the, and the brides are w- awoken in the middle of the night to a cry of, he's here, come and meet the, the, the bridegroom. Pastor Mike's translation. <laughs> right? And, and <laughs> it is. Not uh, fun. But um, so, that, so then the, the ones that are prepared, they're all ready. They've got, all the, they've got their oil, they've got their lamps, they're fully stocked, they're ready to go out into the darkness to meet the bridegroom. The other ones are like, hey, let us have some of your oil. And they're like, well, sorry, but, you know, I'm, I may just have enough for me to get to where I'm going. If I give you part of mine, then we're both lost. Right. You know? But what, the, what it comes down to is you don't know when Jesus is coming. You Therefore, prepare. if you mess around and be silly and mess around with sin, you're not going to be ready because it's going to happen like that. And if you're not ready, you're not going. Right. Even if you're even even if you're if you're supposedly saved, if you're not ready, you're not going. Right. This is why we have to always be the the more we see the signs of the time, the more serious we need to get. So what I just read you in John is actually, believe it or not, this is how they would propose. This is how the men would propose. The men would come and they would say, there's, there's, there's plenty of room in my father's house. If I go and I prepare a place for you, when I come back, will you go with me? That's how proposals went. Basically, Pastor Mike would come to me and say, my dad's got a place for us. Will you go with me to this place? And I would say, yes, I'll go if I want to marry him. And, and he's asking... I'd be asking her to join my family, right. basically, is what it boils down and to. And then I'd say, yes, I'll do that. He'll say, okay, I'm going to go and go get our house ready. I'll know, according to Jewish law and Jewish custom, I know in the period of approximately two years, according to custom, in the period of approximately two years, my bridegroom is going to send his servant for me to tell me, that my house is ready. Okay? 
So what Jesus was doing was he was proposing to the church, to his church. And he said, and this is why many people believe, because how many, how many years ago did Jesus go? Almost 2,000. Almost 2,000 years. According to the word, a 1,000 years here is what? One day up there. Okay? So, he, in, in approximately two years' time, he's going to come back. And he's going to say, your houses are ready. The servant's going to come. So we were listening to a, a minister that gets to go over to Israel frequently, and he's talking to Jewish women. And he's surveying Jewish women on the, on the, on the uh, street corners, and he's asking them. And they're looking at him like he's a complete and utter idiot. His words, not mine. Uh, and he's asking them, and he's saying, uh, according to uh, how, how does a man propose? And they'd say, well, he, he tells us that there's room for him in, a, in his father's house. So, so, okay, what happens next? Well, then he leaves and he goes and prepares a house at his father's property, father's estate. Well, how long does that take? And they say, well, about two years. And he says, well, how do you know when it's ready? That's what they say. They send back their servant and they tell us within a few weeks. They give us about six weeks of notice. Was it about six weeks of notice? I don't remember. I think exactly. it was six to eight weeks of notice. And they, and they say, your bridegroom will be here. The house is nearly ready. Your bridegroom will be here at this approximate day. Why do they get the warning? So that they can make sure that they're ready when their bridegroom shows up. So who is going to give us the warning that Jesus is about to show up? the Holy Spirit. Derek has a dear friend that we've been praying for for years. According to her words to him, she said, I don't, was it at night that this happened to her? I think it was at night. She said it was in the middle of the night, and she said, I don't know any other way to explain it, but it was like a spiritual awakening. She said, I heard a voice. There was nobody there. It wasn't an actual voice. But, it's, but I heard it. It was a voice. And the voice said, you have always loved me. But you've always, something along, you've always loved me, but you've walked the middle of the road. Um, uh, and, and, but your time, but he, and this is what the voice said. The voice said, but it's time to make your choice. Because I'm coming back and I'm coming very, very, she said it twice, very, very soon. And she said, and I, she said, and in that moment, I felt God. She felt her spirit come alive, so to speak. Now, this was a, this was a young lady that was in our youth group for many, many, many years. We've been praying for her for years and years and years. So she has a solid foundation in the word. So she recognized it immediately. That's why these, that's why all of these revivals, are starting to happen. This is why young people are starting to come to Christ is because all of a sudden there's a hunger, there's a drive, there's a call in their spirit. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit blowing the trumpet. Remember, one of the things for a trumpet means pack your things, get ready to move. That's one of the trumpets. You said, you said very, very, and in my spirit I heard verily, verily. There you go. 
truly, I tell you, an infallible truth. So, Jesus is telling us that our hour is short. We're getting ready. So that's, so, and that's why we're going to see this giant move. So the closer we get, there was a point, I've been, I've been walking this road with God, ministry-wise. We've been walking this road, ministry-wise, for 20 years. We were called into ministry 20 years ago uh, in, in July. It was the month we were called. Uh, 2003, in July, at camp meeting, we were called into ministry. No, I'm sorry, 2002 we were called in. 2002, so it has been 20 years. 2002, July of 20, yes, 2002 we were called into ministry. We started in January of 2003. We were called in. And at that time, I I will tell you that I didn't know if Jesus was coming back in our lifetime or not. Like God had showed me something in the vision that I thought, did I really see that in the spirit or did I make that up in my mind? But I'm telling you what, 20 years later, I know that I know that I know that I will see the calling away of the church in my lifetime. Why? There's something in my spirit that says so. There's something in my spirit that says, verily, verily, I'm coming and I'm coming very soon. So that's what this is about. So you need to understand that during that seven year, we, so I said all of that to say this, not every person in the pulpit, not everybody in the church pew, not everybody that knows the scriptures will go when the church is called. And, and as, the, as, the, as the parable of the brides ends, the, bri- the, the silly brides go up and knock on the door of, 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 of the groom's house, and they're like, hey, let us in. We're here. And he's like, no, too I'm, late, already, I'm already in bed. It's too late. You've missed your opportunity. Too late, then gone. And and then other place, another place in the Bible, it talks about uh, when when Jesus, when the rapture happens, that they'll be, and he's talking to Christians now. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to Christians. He's saying he said there'll be two in the field, one will go. There'll be two in the bed, one will go, sure. and the other will will stay. So that that means that he's saying that that not everybody that's a Christian is going to get to go. Because they're not going to be ready. They're not going to be prepared. They're, they're not going to be expecting him. And we now, should always be expecting him. Now, let me conclude this with this. Just because you don't go, just because they don't go in the rapture doesn't mean they're going to die and go to hell. No. Let me make that very clear. But it means they're clear. going to have to go through the tribulations. It, the, the, and and, and I, we talked a lot about what Satan's going to be doing in the tribulation tonight. I don't want you leaving out of here going... Man, it's all about Satan. Because, believe it or not, the seven years of great tribulation is the biggest act of love that God could ever do for all of humanity. Because, because he could have said, that's it, you're out of time, no more options. What he's going to do is he's going to say, he's going to give you a seven-year glimpse of what it's going to be like under Satan's rule. And if you will receive Jesus in that time, when you, if you will look at that seven-year time and go, Jesus, I was wrong. This is not a game. Dear Lord Jesus, I repent. He'll receive you. How much you know that's an act of love? How much you know that's an act of love? 
God's judgment is not evil. God's judgment is not murder and death. God's judgment is his love in action, giving you every opportunity to receive him. And it's, it's, it's definitely not God's will that anybody should go to hell no. and perish. No. He wants everybody to go to heaven, but he knows that not everybody's going to choose that. Yes. But it, it doesn't stop him from trying That's and right. trying and trying for 2,000 years yep. or more. Yep. Yep. And then, we haven't gotten there yet, but after the seven years of tribulation, he gives them more time. He gives them more time. In fact, he gives them a millennium of time. Everybody just looked at me and went, wait, what? You're going to have to come back. You have to come back. You have to come back. Glory to God. Millennium of time, a thousand years. With no devil. With life perfect. With life wonderful. With Jesus ruling and reigning. And even then, people will still deny him. You want to bless? Lord, we thank you for this word we've received, and we thank you for for the the lesson. We thank, thank you God. for the warning. We thank you for the um, the mercy and the grace. We thank you that your Son gave us the way and the key, and we have but to pick it up and hold on to it for dear life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father. We, we love you, Lord. and we want. To see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. We will spread the word. We will spread the good news that there is a way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we will tell everyone who will listen to us. Lord, we love you and we want to see your work done here on earth. So we give into your kingdom. We, we ask that you bless this offering to go more, further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And Lord, we ask that you bless us for for giving with a generous heart, giving with a loving heart, and giving to see your work done, and that you bless us so that we can become a bigger blessing to the kingdom. And we thank you for your many blessings, and we thank you for, uh, we thank you especially for the, the, the name of your son Jesus, the name above all names, the name that, that, that conquers all, and the name that, that we are given the ability to use and the authority to use in your name. For the betterment of ourselves and those we come in contact with. And we thank you for that. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot operate here and you can definitely not come to steal, kill, kill and destroy or take this word which we have received with open hearts and open minds and it falls on good ground. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty thank name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may serve the people. Glory to God.